There's a story, is it true? The Kiwi has a brother. The Aussies call him Emu. He runs around all Uluru. They've been mates, that wingless pair, the ones up here and ones down there. A pair of Anzacs stuck like glue, the Kiwi and the Emu. Hello and welcome to the Kiwi and the Emu, a podcast exploring the experience of blind and vision impaired Australasians living through the corona experience. Two countries, two different approaches with similar outcomes, the Kiwi and the Emu. I'm Elise and I'm the Emu. And I'm Carolyn and I'm the Kiwi. Kiwi Carol. <laughs> no, better, better, better just leave it at Carolyn <laughs> rather than Kiwi Carol. Come on, don't be naughty, Emu. Oh, come on. We, we, we love you Kiwis over the other side of the ditch. And that's what this is about, blind and low vision Australians and New Zealanders or Australasians, we want to find out about your experiences living under the corona crackdown or the corona lockdowns. It's different in both countries, but we're getting a similar result. And this is episode one. To just let you know how we've done it in New Zealand is that just towards the end of March, we went into what level four or total lockdown. What that meant here was basically everybody had to work from home unless you were an essential service. So basically the only places that were open were your chemist, your doctors, the hospitals, the supermarkets, etc. But here in Australia, we got Uber Eats. Yeah, we didn't. They closed. (laughs) (laughs) We've had a different experience here and it also depends on our states, as we're a federation of states, and some of the lockdowns have been similar, but some of them have been quite different. Depends on where you're living. In New South Wales, you can go fishing, play around the golf, but in Victoria, no. You can do that now here in New Zealand. You can go fishing and play golf. Half your life. Because we're at level three, and we've got Uber Eats back. But for at least five weeks, we were under total and complete lockdown. So... Who's going to be first in the chair this time round? Cantabrians are a very special race of people down there in the South Island of New Zealand, aren't they, Carolyn? They are a tough, hardy bunch, and they have experienced a lot of sadness over the years. Her name is Pauline Mullum. Pauline has years of experience working in the education sector. She's originally from north of Auckland but spent about 20 years living and working in the UK and came back to Christchurch to live. She also brought her husband with her back from the UK. So we are going to find out how the the last few weeks have impacted on Pauline and her family life. Pauline, welcome to the Corona Chair. Could you tell us a little bit about what your life was like on average day before the Corona so lockdown sort of started and how it may have changed uh, as we went into, as you and New Zealand went over to various stages of the lockdown. Yes, prior to the whole coronavirus outbreak, um, I was fairly busy, really. I work five days a week. I work for ARA Institute of Canterbury as their manager of disability services. Um, So I'm at work five days a week. Um, And then I also have various hobbies as well. So, um, you know, I I was trying to 
go swimming once a week and and I had a um, some craft groups that I like to go to um, I'm so, also studying so mm -hmm. that's keeping me you know busy as as well um, and yeah in the in the weekends we'd often like to go out and um, you know go and do some shopping or um, if we had friends around we'd we'd take, you know, take them somewhere. Uh, Trevor and I quite like going to cafes. So we were we were always very, very busy. So pretty average life, nothing out of the ordinary, but nothing dull. It was just a really, no, a really good life. Yep. No, yeah, I, I would say that's, I'd say that's fair. Yep. And has, it, has things have been affected at the uh, Polytech, we, we call them TAFEs in Australia, but they're Polytechs. And of course, being the right. disability advisor, you would have a lot of people there with special needs. How does that, uh, how have things changed beginning, given that it is relatively close to the start of the school year that all this started happening? Yeah, hugely, actually. So we obviously got two days warning um, that we were um, going into three days virtually that we were going into lockdown. Um, I think if I remember rightly, actually, ARA closed to students on the Monday uh, at five o'clock when the announcement was made. Mm -hmm. um, and staff were allowed to go in on the Tuesday um, to do a day's work and gather up any other material they wanted to take home with them. And that was it. After that, we were we were on lockdown. We haven't been allowed back into the institution since. Um, what date was that? Staff, Do you remember? Oh, I think that was the, I think it was the 23rd of March. Yeah, it's about the similar sort of um, time everything sort of started to shut down here. Yeah. And um, so for all our students, for the first two weeks, it was that, um, the holidays were just brought forward. So instead of having Easter holidays starting partway through April, our students immediately went into two, week, two weeks of holidays. Um, and then since they've come out of holidays from the 15th of April, all the learning has been online. As a, dis um, yeah, as a disability support um, advisor, how has that been affected by the online learning? We hear a lot of narrative here in both New Zealand and Australia about how you know, kids are studying online. But when it comes to people with special needs, in your case, you, you obviously specialise with because you're vision impaired yourself. But there's, you told me yesterday uh, prior to our recording that you also um, need to advise and look after people regarding matters of other, you know, re relating to other disabilities. Oh, absolutely. Um, our disability service covers all disabilities. Um, and I think some of our students are, are finding it okay studying online, but I think a lot of our students are finding it really quite hard. I was just going to ask, are there any issues with people who have cognitive issues or are trying to understand how to manage the learning environment? Because I'm assuming it's probably something yeah, like I, Zoom or something similar that they're using and you've got to learn how to use the, the platform or the program before we can start learning from it. Indeed. There's a mix of things going on. So um, there are quite a lot of Zoom lectures, um, some of which are recorded. So students can then go back and listen to them at, at their own time so they can be present and also go back and listen to them. Um, some of them are just question and answer sessions and 
We have an online learning site. All institutions do. Ours is called Moodle. The staff are putting up um, worksheets and videos and resources and tasks that students have to work through. And then perhaps they might just come on to Zoom for question and answer sessions. Um, so it really depends as to how things are being taught. And I think, yes, that's, that's true. One of the things is that um, if you weren't very familiar with how to use Moodle and you hadn't used Zoom before, all of a sudden you're having to learn that very, very quickly. Obviously, with everybody being at home and relying on home internet, the, the resources aren't the same. We're finding that quite often the, the internet's quite slow or it crashes out. Um, some people just find it incredibly overwhelming and anxiety producing being on video or, or being able to be heard and um, recorded by their classmates. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just one person described it to me as um, sensory overstimulation with <laughs> a lack in productivity. Yeah, fair enough. And, and there, there's some, so yeah, some students are finding it really very difficult. They really don't like online learning. I think other students, it, it probably suits them quite well mm. um, to sit at home and just follow along. So I think it depends on, on your needs, on your disability, on your experience with technology. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, nobody chose to do this. Nobody thought, right, let's go on to an online course and, and learn online because those people who chose that are already doing that. Indeed. And so, so Pauline, for, for you as a, a, a vision-impaired person, have you found any challenges with your work environment having to work from home um, that are specifically related to your specific impairment? I think the biggest thing is we've had to start using some new software I'm not one of these visually impaired people, and I know there are some out there who um, love technology and who are really good at using it and pick it up really easily. Um, I can use it, but that's not that's not me. Um, and so I I too have had to pick things up. I've had to get used to using Zoom a lot more. I've had to get used to using um, a few other new programs that we're having to use. Um, and, you know, sometimes those those are quite what I would describe as hungry programs. They take up quite a lot of the computer's operating um, capacity. So when you're trying to run assistive technology plus some hungry programs, plus you've got the entire population almost on the Internet um, because they're all stuck at home, um, it does create for some some difficult issues and I think the, the biggest thing is it just slows everything down. Hmm. Could, um, could you tell us about what uh, access technology you're using? Yeah the the main piece of technology I use is ZoomText um, and I find that I find that usually you know a really really useful piece of software for me so that's just a screen enlargement Screen program, magnification, screen yeah. magnification program. Yep. I have not huge, but I have sizable monitors. So I'm not working off a laptop screen. I'm working off sort of 22 to 24 inch monitors. I, but I also use a mix. So sometimes I find it almost easier and more effective to work 
off my iPhone. There are times when I'll just sit there with a um, Bluetooth headset um, and and my iPhone talking to students that way, or I might just, you know, have I've got a Bluetooth keyboard and I might just go through and make notes or send emails just using the, the Bluetooth keyboard and an iPhone. So mm. not really assistive technology as such, mm. you know, not in perhaps the traditional way we would think of it, but certainly a, quite an effective way of working. How are you going getting support from the IT department back at the Polytech? They are available. They have basically been able to set themselves up in their own homes. That, so they are running a, a help desk as they always did. So if we've got any queries, um, then, um, you know, they can try and, um, but they can't, you know, physically come and look at the computers if something's going wrong. They can't send someone round to say, mm. oh, let's have a look. Or, oh, that piece of kit's not working, so we'll deliver you a new piece. So they're very much restricted to, to try and problem solve from afar. Yeah, and they're not coming in on TeamViewer or something like that to, to render assistance? I don't know if they're doing so for others. They're not. I haven't had cause to ask them to do that yet. With the social side of things, uh, because you're not able to go out now and do a, a lot of the activities mm. that you were doing, has there been some modifications? Say, for example, do like your craft and, and that, are they meeting through Zoom or using some other means of still communicating? I believe some places are, but unfortunately, you know, our groups have just sort of ground to a bit of a halt. Mind you, it's a, it's a, the other thing I was doing was swimming, so it's a bit difficult to do virtual swimming. Mm. Um, so, um, no, it, it's all just sort of stopped, really. So my main sort of social activity, you know, my husband and I, because we're the only mm. two in the bubble here, we have managed to go out and, you know, meet some of our neighbours in the park and stand the required distance apart and have a bit of a chat from time to time, which has been nice. Yeah, apart from that, it's been it's been very restrictive. So it's really just been keeping in touch with people on the phone, perhaps making Zoom calls. My family uh, has now, so our extended family is sort of organising weekly Zoom meetings and whoever's available at the time is sort of Zooming in. So we're having a, a weekly catch-up, which has been fantastic. Tell us a little bit more about that because you have actually spent some time living in the UK. And so I guess you'd have friends and family over there that you'd also like to be in touch with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess the, the most important people over in the UK are my husband's parents who are very elderly and they are very much stuck at home. Uh, luckily they have a nice garden and mm -hmm. so they can get out in that and the weather has actually been quite nice which for the UK and, and certainly in, in April can you know is not always guaranteed they've had someone that's been doing all their shopping for them but they haven't really left their, their house or their garden for about six weeks so they're our biggest concern but luckily mm -hmm. they are all well at the moment so we've been FaceTiming them but we, we've been doing that anyway, actually, since we came over here is, is using FaceTime to make contact with them. Mm. And I've been FaceTiming a few other people as well and keeping in touch with emails. So, yeah, everyone that I know at the moment is as well. But just saying what a what an incredibly frightening experience it is and how they all looked to Italy and Spain with horror when it first 
picked off there and thought, well, never, never here. And, you know, then their death rates started to top out those European countries as well. And naturally, with you being so far away, you, you would be feeling it, both of you, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, we can't, we can't do anything. We can't get over there. Yeah. Um, we did yeah. consider, Trevor considered going over as soon as we realised how bad it was. But then the concern was that he would not be able to get back. Yes. We decided not to do that. But it is a concern that they are over there and we can do nothing. Yeah. Do you have much family in the rest of New Zealand, Pauline? Yeah, all my family are are in New Zealand. So I've got family in the Hawke's Bay and in Auckland and Walkworth in terms of, you know, brothers and sisters and, and parents and obviously cousins and aunts and uncles dotted all over the place. Yeah, again, that's that's where the family Zoom meetings have been great, getting everybody together. And my nephews, um, one who's, well, he was studying at, at Victoria um, <laughs> until this happened, and, and one working in Auckland, so we've been able to Zoom with them. And occasionally we even managed to time it so that my eldest nephew over in the Netherlands can come on and Zoom in with us. So That's great. Yeah, that's that's been really good. With with the move to level three, was there anything in particular that you did or maybe you didn't do, do anything, but because things were freed up a little bit to being in level four here, did you join the massive queues at the takeaways and the coffee places? I haven't joined the queue at the coffee place. I am really missing coffee. I'm going nuts. Um, and... And I didn't really think I would, but a friend of mine has a coffee maker that she no longer wants. So we're thinking of going and doing a rescue that coffee maker mission at some point. Um, And I'll give her some money so that I can have that coffee maker because if she's not using it, I damn well want it. I, I think the hassle about making a coffee is because we're not going anywhere. We're not sort of passing anywhere because we're mm. not back at work, we're still working mm. at home. So we're not passing anywhere to go and have a coffee. Certainly at the start of lockdown, if you wanted a coffee, then you had to ring up, order your coffee, and then go and get it. And then where mm. are you going to drink it? Because you can't sit there and drink it. So then you've got to get it back home again. I just thought, oh, what a complete... It's too much messing Man, around. The, thing we did do, mm. the one thing we did do was buy takeaways. So uh-huh. I did yeah. have... <laughs> after, after five weeks of not having takeaways and and to be honest Trevor wouldn't have cared whether we had done it or not but after five weeks simply because we could I made sure we had an Indian meal very good because because in, in, <laughs> in New Zealand they they went through much harsher a much harsher version of the lockdown than we did um, they couldn't even get Uber Eats a country with no Apple Store, no yeah, IKEA, no and now Eats. no Uber Eats. <laughs> Honestly, how did you cope? <laughs> it was tough. It, it was, was tough. tough. We've yeah. been toughing it out down here. <laughs> yeah, you Cantabrians, as I said in the introduction, are quite a quite a, a, a strong bunch. What do you think you're going to do when the restrictions ease more, or what have you already? Well, you've already gone back to having you know delivered meals which is you know, one luxury that you couldn't get what's going to be the big thing that is going to be what's the let your hair down moment going to be it depends what opens up two of the things i've promised myself is um that we're going to go and visit some people and you know some of our friends and and christchurch and in fact trevor's sister lives not too far away going around and having a meal at their place or asking them around here so actually seeing them and spending some social time with them so that's one thing and yeah. the other thing i really want to do 
is when it opens, um, I want to, I, I've promised myself we're going to go to Arana Park, the big wildlife park here in, in Christchurch, and go and spend a day at Arana Park with all the animals. Awesome. Excellent. Yes, because I've heard the animals are actually getting quite lonely there. There was a story. Yeah. So they will love to see the human company back. And they also, one of the big things was that they, because the zoos weren't earning any money because they didn't have people coming in, it was getting harder to feed the animals as well. Mm. And so that was one of the things I did was actually donate some money to Arana Park. Oh, very um, good. So that they could keep up their, keep up feeding their animals. Yeah. Just uh, before we, we finish up, is there anything that's probably going to make the people in your workplace yourself your students even your your family and husband do you think there's going to be anything that will make you stronger people when all this is over i think it's proved i think it's proved our resilience i think it's shown us that we can work in different ways one of the things we're starting to talk about already is that we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, as it were like we have discovered there are some quite good things about working remotely and working over Zoom and actually we don't want to lose those positive things. I, yeah. I guess, you know, you alluded to it partway through the interview and in your introduction when you talked about Cantabrians being quite a, a strong a strong lot mm. um, and I think Canterbury has been through quite a lot but I think for those of us who perhaps moved here more recently and haven't been through all the things that they have I think yeah I think it's it's certainly shown us our resilience but I wonder for people who have been through the earthquakes and the shootings and now this it's it does concern me about people's mental health moving forward it's it's almost yet another blow that people have had to cope with yep that's that's very true yes mm. it's going to be very interesting to see that thank you so much Pauline it's been really insightful it is interesting to hear different perspectives and how different people are dealing with these tough times and hopefully we are starting to see the end coming soon <laughs> oh we hope so Abs- absolutely because you know each country has had to do this bit differently each country has a different population number different terrain different style of governments and you know whilst New Zealand's gone in harder they're starting to come out and hopefully Australia and New Zealand even though we said in the introduction you know different uh, different ways of doing things but things but achieving the same result you know and we, we may even leapfrog each other some people may even have more liberties in New Zealand than they do here depending on the state system others other times we may even have more because at no time in Australia or New Zealand's history, even during wartime, have we had to suffer so much of a degradation to our liberties so suddenly, you know. Um, this has closed a lot yes. of people down and has yeah, also absolutely. affected, you know, everybody, you know, schooling, you know, students in, in your case, your line of work, and it has had a profound effect on people who have got disabilities. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Thanks, Pauline. We've really enjoyed your company today and look forward to maybe having another chat further on down the track. Everything's going to start happening again. And I'm sure that, as you said, with the resilience, we've all learned a lot out of this. You know, my business has, has changed um, to, I think, the better and because of things moving online and people are doing things that they would otherwise not have even dreamt about, you know, two months ago. Absolutely. Yep. Pauline, thank you.
Um, guess what? You can come to Australia, can't you, Carolyn, if you are happening to be a footballer. How's, how exciting. Oh, yeah, well, it's going to be the best movie of the year. The Warriors come over. They live in Tamworth in lockdown. They become heroes in that town and they get all the support. Then they're going to win the NRL, come back, and then it's going to be the best movie ever. <laughs> oh, about winning the NRL. Well, you never know because got the Melbourne Storm has to set up shop in New, Zealand, in New South Wales because the restrictions here in Victoria at the time of recording is still quite... Uh, uh, Street and uh, the whole the, the well the NRL will be more, more likely the New South Rugby League you know it won't be the National yeah, Rugby but League. But at least Tamworth have made the Warriors feel at home. Haven't they? I mean, Albury where the where the Melbourne Storm are told them they wouldn't be allowed to play on their fields. I oh, know that's a bit rich. I think. Geez, talk about interstate rivalry, but not international <laughs> rivalry. And what about all these people? These these. These footballers, I have to say, they, some of them are balking at getting a flu injection. What's all that about? What, big grown men are afraid of a needle? Thanks, everybody, for listening to the first episode of The Kiwi and the Emu. I am Elise, the Emu. And I'm Carolyn, the Kiwi. And next week, it will be the turn of interviewing an Aussie. Darren Byron has decided to uh, accept our invitation to sit in the corona chair. He's all the way from Lee and Gatha, Victoria. Grew up on a farm and he has some interesting things to tell us about what life is like in rural Victoria, Australia. We do have to thank John Williams Promotion Company uh, for allowing us to use his song. And we will play it in a future episode, the entire Kiwi and, Kiwi and Emu, because this is what we're all about here, down in this part of the world. We're two countries at the bottom of the world, holding everybody else up. And we, well, we have we have a cousin type rivalry, don't we? We pick on each other. We love each other to bits. You might find us uh, picking on each other, but if you pick on one, you pick on two. The